Hello and welcome to Essential B2B Podcast, brought to you by Lead Forensics. I'm your host, Joe DiCaro. This episode is another from our new webinar series, How to Boost Your ABM Conversion Rate. For this, I was joined by Christina Jaramillo, founder of Personal ABM, who offered up a huge number of tips and tricks for boosting your ABM conversion rate. This is a great chat. Christina was a wonderful guest. So without further ado, here is Christina Jaramillo on how to boost your ABM conversion rate. So Christina, allow me to introduce the ABM Constrictor. This is a relentless B2B supervillain specializing in account-based marketing tactics taken to the extreme. With an uncanny ability to tighten the marketing and sales funnel, it restricts the flow of of leads, stifles growth, and crushes revenue potential. But fear not, because our webinar is here to equip you with supercharged tactics to ensure you don't feel the squeeze of the ABM constrictor. Now, Christina, my first question to you is, I was always taught when I was discussing any sort of topic, uh, the first thing you should do is define your terms. So uh, what should account-based marketing be? And how many teams are getting ABM wrong? Uh, okay, so this is one of those things that I get a definition or dozens of different definitions when I ask someone what ABM is. But to me, ABM is a business strategy that's revenue focused. It's about fixing the red in the business. It's about uh, making sure that you're influencing uh, revenue, whether that's winning new clients, protecting um, clients, or even expanding one. So we have to make sure that we're always focusing on revenue metrics. So things like stage progression, sales cycle time, win rates, ACV, I'm going to throw a lot of acronyms at you. We're all used to this in the, in the uh, and the marketing world. So please, I would no, think, right? So we have to, how are we impacting ACV? How are we impacting ARR, GRR, and NRR? Um, but I think a lot of people are confusing ABM with targeted lead gen. And I think it's because of the technologies uh, or a lot of strategies are technology focused or technology led versus strategy led. So you're kind of just amplifying what you're already doing. You're just doing it more targeted. So it, it come, becomes a little bit more targeted demand gen versus real ABM. Um, when I think of ABM and when I tell other people as they go ABM, if think about how they're changing go-to market motions, how they're changing experiences and interactions, whether that's with prospects or customers. Um, this is helps with accounts. So accounts don't get stuck if you think about it that way. And when I mentioned that we're doing targeted demand gen, it's more about focusing on sourcing the pipeline, where to me, ABM is about getting accounts to revenue faster and potentially at a higher um, contract value and higher revenue. Um, so that's where I think of what ABM should be, revenue focused. And when you asked about people that are getting it wrong, I think it's not, they're doing it on purpose. It kind of just being tech-driven versus strategy-driven. So I was speaking to a CMO a couple of months ago. They were selling a sales and tech platform. Um, I asked her about her ABM strategy. And instead of going into what it was, she said, um, we're using demand base, we're using Terminus, we're using Sixth Sense, we're even a case study for Sixth Sense. And I said, okay, you told me the platform you're using, but what does your ABM strategy look like? Uh, so we dug a little deeper and she said, the successes that we're seeing is that we're getting a pipeline. So we're no problem with that. Um, but we are having issues with state progression, um, accounts going dark, or even accounts being lost to our competitors. So we realized that they were using it for the top of the funnel where I see a- ABM having better success at middle to the end of the funnel. So uh, do you have any any more examples of, of any real world examples of how ABM has been using ineffectively as well as, as you've given us one? Have you got any others for us? 
Yeah, I do. I actually uh, had a client that we onboarded a couple of months ago. They are a call center AI firm. So they were selling um, AI into organizations that have call centers. They were targeting banks in this case. They were building pipeline again with an ABM tech. They were using demand base, but they were getting accounts engaged, but they weren't progressing. So we took a, li- uh, a look at what they were doing and the content that they were sharing is they were sharing content with a particular bank. I could talk about this because we've already, you know, discussed it with them, with <laughs> Bank of America. Um, and they were getting traction with them, but for some reason they went dark. And it's because they were um, not relevant to Bank of America. They were talking to them about um, generic benefits that they could offer versus what was going on in uh, Bank of America as a company. So they were trying to sell them on AI and Bank of America already had dozens of patents that they created internally on AI. So that kind of content really wasn't going to move the needle. They weren't aligning with the strategic priorities and they weren't saying, you know, these are the gaps in the AI that you've already um, created in-house. Here's where we can overlay and save you time by having to either revamp what you've already done or fill in the gaps and create a better user experience for your customers. So that was something that it was, um, they were doing ABM to a certain degree, but it wasn't like to the full extent, especially when it came to a real high value. This is like a client that was going to be worth at least six, seven figures. So yeah, 100%. So so you spoke a little bit about the, you know, the misalignment of the, your Bank of America um, example there. What, as well as alignment, what are some other key elements of a successful ABM strategy? First of all, I think a lot of people have to figure out that or think about it as a business strategy. So there has to be change management. You have to have sales bought in. You have to have customer success if your organization has that bought in. It's got to be a leadership initiative because it's very hard if it's just marketing to get late sales buy-in or if it's just an account-based play from sales to get marketing buy-in. You have to think about how we're going to go to market together. So it, it, when I talk to organizations, I can tell right away how successful they're going to be if they don't have senior leadership buy-in and if it's just a siloed marketing play, sales play, or maybe even sometimes it is a um, retention expansion for customer success teams kind of play. So that change management really needs to be had first off. And then you also have to make sure that you have everyone's role. So what is sales going to do? What is marketing going to do? How are we going to come together as a team, not our own little siloed um, siloed departments that we had to, to think, see? And one of those things that people have to do is define the ICP as a team or those accounts that you're going to use for your ABM approach. Uh, it can't be like sales will pick the leads and the, or the, the accounts and then give it to marketing and they run with it or marketing pick and run with it. There has to be a reason as why are we targeting these accounts? Is there a strategic priority they have? Have they shown intent? Do we have any kind of engagement? Are they potentially worthwhile to put into ABM? Um, so it has to be, again, a team type of play. And I also think when you're doing ABM, you have to think about it for the complete buyer's journey. You can't think about it for just the top of the pipeline or the middle or the bottom, the whole thing. So how are we going to get accounts to move that are maybe stuck in status quo? How are we going to get accounts that have showed intent previously but became disengaged for whatever reason? Um, how are we going to save or protect at-risk accounts? Because, you know, maybe the organization doesn't re- recognize the complete value that you're bringing. Um, and also another key piece of this is content that 
you're going to create to support these things. So how are we going to support con- um, disengaged accounts with content? How are you going to support at risk or existing accounts with content? And then the last parts of it are how are we going to integrate this whole approach with social digital strategies? And then the tech piece can get involved. So once you've honed in on the rest of it, the tech is kind of the last piece, even though a lot of people try to purchase tech first and then do strategy later. It's an expensive mistake. <laughs> yeah. And just trying to sort of squeeze the jigsaw pieces together where they don't necessarily fit quite as well as they could have done, I suppose. Correct. So you, you mentioned about like um, content that you're putting out and uh, and creating that sort of thing. Um how do you, or, or let me put this a different way, what's the difference between personalization and being personal in that content? How can marketers effectively tailor um, for target accounts? So when I say um, being personal, I mean, you're actually relevant to the key stakeholder. So with When people try to personalize, they're speaking at industries, they're speaking at personas, they're speaking at pain points. Um, But when you speak to target accounts with personalization, you talk about um, what's going on in their organization, what's going on in their department, what's going on in their actual role, and they're part of that department. Um, So you're speaking at the human buyers, the human behind the buying committee versus you're speaking to a marketing director or you're speaking to a sales leader. You're speaking to an actual, like I would speak to Joe versus whatever Joe is responsible for type of thing. Sure. And uh, so what, what is the content that teams need for ABM? What, is, what are those pieces that you're creating? What does that look like? So what I've seen, what my team has seen a lot of content is thought leadership. So we're confirming things that our buyers might already know. It's telling the audience, um, you know, you know, they're, they're smart, they're up to date, they know the issues and trends, so do we. That's great. But it doesn't really change the selling conversation. It doesn't sell the reason to change. It doesn't reframe their specific thoughts, their specific ideas, what they're doing now. Um, the content that we create to support ABM and support sales is speaking to, um, it's taking thought leadership but taking it one step further. So we're adding commercial insights. We're um, changing buyers' thoughts and ideas, changing, um, you know, their approach, the gaps that we see in their current approach and how those gaps can impact the whole business. So not necessarily just them, but how it can impact their team, the different departments, maybe even their customers, depending on the, uh, the gaps that we see. And a lot of times people don't buy, um, because you're, you're telling a generalized story. You're not telling their story. Yeah. And it's hard to make that connection otherwise. So the, when you tell their story, it's because you've added commercial insights that's going to, you know, shake them out of their comfort zone, uh, makes it really hard to ignore. And if we can change these thoughts and ideas, we can change the assumptions, then it's easier to bring together the influencers, the decision makers, and try to build consensus in your direction um, instead of just sharing information that they can find anywhere or information that, you know, they might already know because they're probably very self-educated. Mm. And it's those, it's sharing those insights that really make those people make that decision. Is that correct? So the, not just saying like, oh, here's what to do on X topic. It's here's what to do on X topic. And here's how our product can show you that, you know, this is the result of using our product. Is that the sort of thing you mean yeah it's 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 like showing how your solution can fit into it in a way that you're not pushing the solution so much as you're guiding them to make it 
So it's almost like they thought of it versus you telling them. Yeah, like Inception, you're just trying to plant that idea in their brain. Exactly. <laughs> How effective is things like um, uh, things like advocacy, social proof, that sort of thing? Because this it's it's fresh in my mind, Christina, because um, Lee Forensics, we've we've recently won uh, forty four different G two badges, and we are number one for for twenty five. Uh, number one in 25 different global categories. So and that's why it's particularly fresh in my mind today. How effective is that in those efforts? It's definitely um, complimentary because it's it's not just the company saying that you are great at what you do or that we still X, Y, Z. It's proof, like you said, social proof and examples. And then you can either uh, use those like if you're creating a piece of content and then you say, you know, we're not the only ones that are saying it, check out what this particular company in your specific um, either industry or pain point or um, challenge that you're having has what they've experienced using our service. So it, it does do that like third party recognition as opposed to, you know, we're great. You should use us. It's it's there's an example. Yeah. You know? Don't just take Very our important. word for it, I guess. Correct. <laughs> Uh, you've mentioned um, previously about uh, one of your earlier answers about um, measuring metrics for, for to keep you on track in, in ABM. What are those key metrics when you're talking about looking at your, your ABM strategy? So for me and for what I've seen for our clients, we want to make sure we're not necessarily focusing on the pipeline. That's for other parts of marketing. Obviously, it's important. But with ABM, we're focusing on anything that's related to revenue. So are we impacting... The whole buyer's journey? Are we impacting sales cycle time? Are we impacting stage progression? So there's less accounts that are, you know, leaking out of that funnel. Um, are we impacting enterprise win rates? So are the win rates higher? Are the deal sizes bigger? Because with ABM, one of the key um, metrics is, are these accounts actually being closed faster and at a higher, uh, higher value than previous ones? Because to me, ACV, excuse me, should be at least one to two times higher with an account that's going through the ABM uh, strategy versus maybe other initiatives that you might be taking. So as long as we're seeing an impact on those, we're reducing churn, um, creating more profitable growth with higher margins, anything that's tied to revenue, those should be the metrics and KPIs. Another benefit of that is that if sales is an initiating an ABM or an account-based approach, you'll get the buy-in from sales automatically when you start mm. speaking their sales language. If you're just telling them about MQLs, MQAs, and other KPIs that they don't really care about, it'll be easier to get that buy-in. And the same thing for customer success too. And of course, leadership. Mm. Change the metrics and you change the mindset, you'll get change management as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's not a lot of point telling the sales about MQL and that sort of thing, is there? No, you're absolutely right. So, um, so, uh, you also mentioned um, ROI uh, in terms of ABM initiatives. Uh, how do you effectively measure um, the ROI of an ABM initiative? Well, if your organization has RevOps, I would definitely include them into this. But um, look across the customer life journey or customer buying journey, the life, customer life cycle. Um, so there's a bunch of questions that I ask clients and then I even... Um, I give them like a big list. And then once they see the list of different things, they're like, oh, we have problems with all of these. It makes it easier to understand why they have to answer these questions. So they should be looking for when it comes to annual recurring revenue, what's keeping tier one accounts from entering the pipeline. 
Um, how is the team attracting status quo accounts? So maybe accounts that weren't initially engaged, how are we bringing in a higher deal size? Are we being relevant for all across all channels? So does that mean that means is sales being as relevant as marketing? Is the website as, mar- as relevant? Is anyone that's interacting with a customer or a, a buyer, are we all saying the same thing? Are we all on the same page? Um, and are we having the right interactions? Are we changing that, that conversation? Um, again, back, going back to GRR and NRR, are customers quantifying the RRI that they see from you at renewal time? Or is it that you have to kind of point it out to them? Um, is churn an issue for you guys? Is it killing the business? Are you just like popping up, you know, getting new accounts and then losing just as many accounts? So it's kind of just like an in and out type of process. Um, you know, how much margin growth are you leaving on the table with tier one accounts? So once you've identified those red issues in the business, then you can figure out how you can fix it. So if you're impacting any of these things, then you know you're getting the right return on your programs. Um, The outcomes of your EBM program is is definitely going to prove, you know, you're going to prove it with with the revenue metrics. Sure. No, absolutely. And actually, uh, just for our viewers here, if you want to hear more about uh, ROI, our webinar next week is all about how to ensure you're getting the absolute maximum ROI on your marketing efforts. And that's with David Delaney. So please do join us for that one. This is going to be an incredible conversation. Just a little bit of cross-promotion there. I thought it was appropriate to do, Christine. I hope you don't mind. Um, in terms of when it comes to um, ABM, when you're selecting the accounts you want to go after, what are those factors that you focus on? Is it as simple as, do they fit into our category for ICP? Is it slightly deeper than that? What are your thoughts on that one? Um, it is not as simple as ICP, but definitely a good start, obviously. Um, you know, you can see where opportunities lie because I, I think you need to get everyone on board again for this. I'm going to repeat this a million times. Uh, sales and customer success teams really need to be in when selecting accounts. Um, when it comes to whether you're running ABM to win new accounts, to protect uh at-risk accounts, or even expand accounts. We need the more, the intelligence from account intelligence for marketing and intent data for marketing. And we need the sales insights of what's going on in the account or customer success, depending on what side of the table we are. Um, and it has to build a business case. So it's got to come from all points of reference. It can't say, you know, these are our hot 100 accounts from sales and there's no reason, rhyme or reason why they pick those accounts. And then marketing can't pick the accounts and say, we pick these hundred or whatever X amount of accounts because they have clicked on something. There has to be an actual reason together and it'll make the ABM program more productive and more more successful when everyone comes in together. So we, we know that ABM is very resource and time. It takes a lot of resources and time. So we have to make sure these accounts are really worth going after. And we are, when we work with our clients, we're really quick to try to disqualify accounts more than qualified because if they don't um, have a really good reason as to why we're going to make the part of the program, then it's it's going to be, it's not going to be successful. It's going to be ultimately a waste of time or could be. Yeah, 100%. So it's it's fascinating that piece. It comes up time and time again. The, the more I do all the you know, podcasts and webinars for Lee Forensics is... Uh, several things keep cropping up but one that does keep coming up is as you've just mentioned there is the 
the um, the efforts between collaboration of sales and marketing. So within the context of ABM, what are the things that you consistently see the sales and marketing departments get wrong? Like, you know, do they is it staying in those silos? How do you how do you bring those to those two departments together, do you think? It definitely has to be the leadership has to be on board together. So like if if there's a marketing leadership and sales leadership ship separate and they are not seeing eye to eye when it comes to things, it's really going to be hard to do both because there'll be that barrier. But once that change management of working together to see how helpful marketing can be to either craft content or um, help sales with their messaging, uh, progress deals, and when they're speaking the revenue language as opposed to the marketing language, that, that, that really helps. And I think it is just a matter of I think there's a the misnomer with AB, ABM, account-based marketing. It really is. I'm sure you've heard this account-based strategy, account-based experience, whatever you want. Just focus on the account-based approach of it to know that it's for everyone to work together. And when you are not working together for a common goal, you might get some success. But I think a lot of people will either not see success within 30 days or 60 days and then abandon account-based approaches or think because it's called account-based marketing that it is only a marketing thing and that sales should not be um, involved. So if you just focus on the account-based aspect of it, of how we're going to work together to close revenue, because revenue is everybody's responsibility, not just sales, um, not just a little bit of marketing and not just customer success. I think that's, if we can all speak the same language as much as possible when it comes to that, I think that's going to make it more successful. A hundred percent. I know for a fact our CEO is he's obsessed with goal setting. So as long as the it's been explained like what the goals are to each department and you know is is a collective effort, I think you're absolutely right. You should hopefully would see slightly more more success with that one. Um something else that I want to to ask you about, and I do wonder if um if one of my other favorite topics, AI, might come up with this uh, in your answer to this. But um in terms of scaling your ABM efforts, how how does how would an organization go about scaling their ABM efforts, but not losing that personalization piece? That's a good question. And AI is definitely coming up more and more, obviously. Um, so before scaling, I really think people need to focus on the one-to-one and getting the relevance and the personal aspect down with those more uh, high-value accounts, see what's working, what's not. And then you can take the learnings to scale um, to the one to few and one to many, which are campaign based, or maybe they may be AI based, um, integrating with X. I know a lot of those, um, platforms are adding an AI aspect, but starting with those one to one interactions and trying to hone them in, because I won't say perfect because everything's always evolving. You can't perfect it, but to hone in what's going to resonate with your target market on the one to one level, then you're obviously going to be able to be more relevant to the campaigns. And then when you add in the AI, it'll be more relevant as well, because you'll have that message already, um, you know, resonating with people. Yeah. Uh, that's the, yeah, that's fascinating. I, and like I said, I, it's the, the topic of AI completely fascinates me. I ask, I'm asking everybody about it. I'm just trying to get as much knowledge about it as possible. But uh, um, uh, Christina, I am going to start to uh, to wrap up our conversation and, and draw it to a close. You've offered up so much value for our audience here. So I, I, I don't want to, um, but unfortunately, we are going to be uh, short of time shortly. Um, but if I could ask you for just one top tip, one absolute golden rule that you'd like to offer to everybody watching this webinar here today, what is the most important thing they get right about their ABM efforts? 
make sure there is relevance and personal to the target accounts that they want to win, protect, or expand. Because it, once you start doing that, then it, everything else kind of gets stronger. This, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be the things that we talked about today can't be with every account. But if you are as relevant and as personal as you can and speak to the actual buyer as opposed to what they look like on paper or in a spreadsheet as a persona or an industry, then will it will impact your efforts. Excellent stuff. Well, Christina, thank you so much for sharing your B2B superpowers with us today. Keep an eye on Lee Forensic Socials for news of our upcoming webinars, including the one I mentioned earlier next week with David Delaney, all about uh, ROI. Uh, and we will see you again very, very soon. Christina, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, there we go. Christina Hanamio on how to boost your ABM conversion rate. Remember to subscribe to the Essential B2B podcast wherever you get your pods and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back next week with another episode of Essential B2B. 